With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless Your Boys podcast. BlessYourBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. And miracle of miracles, we have Major League Baseball again. Yay! Just when it seemed like all hope was lost and every deal came apart at the end due to manipulations and other mm, mm, tomfoolery, let's say, from shenanigans shenanigans from the media ownership side everyone um i was about giving up after probably being one of the more optimistic people on the site for you know pretty much until mm, sort of the last week of february when it all sort of fell apart and then i started then i became super pessimist i was like oh god this isn't gonna happen till june but somehow um Major League Baseball and the players got the message that uh, we were all fed up with this. And you, <laughs> if you couldn't get what you wanted by now, you should pretty much just call it a day and get baseball back in the docket. Um, and, you know, after deadline after deadline that, you know, threatened the season, somehow we're still getting 162 games. Um, we're expecting an absolute chaotic mad scramble in free agency that might be starting on Twitter um, while we Now-ish. record on Wednesday yeah. night. Uh, we've been kind of watching for that. I know uh, a lot of the fans are, are just sitting out there camped um, after starving for fun and information and trades and free agent signings for months and months. We Positive baseball news, I think, is yeah. like, that's the thing we've been yearning for. It seems like there's been plenty to talk about, but it's only been about the negotiations or the lack thereof. And so after a while, you can only listen to them say, oh, well, you know, players rejected this, owners rejected this so many times, or the hints and whispers of, oh, a done deal is on the way. Oh, we're at the two-yard line. Talking about you, Bob like, Nightingale and John Heyman. John Heyman. My Ugh. God, man. Like, did he even stop, like, hang up the phone with ownership before he started rattling things off? Um, but, like, everything from like rumors circulating that Max Scherzer went insane in like the dealings and like, and like, I can picture Max Scherzer raising his voice in negotiations Mm -hmm. if he felt like his chain was getting jerked, which I'm sure it was, but like they're spinning media narratives, like from the MLB side of things that he's like, you know, Scott Boris's puppet. And I'm like, I'm like, you know what? You could pick a different person to, to try and convince me of that narrative. Because I could not for a second believe Max Scherzer being anyone's like puppet or emissary or thinking for anybody but himself and the people he represents, you know, yeah, like hundred percent agree. And, and throughout like, you know, the sort of all the SB nation sites, we, you know, we're talking on our Slack channels behind the scenes and Max Scherzer was, was constantly the touchstone for what was going on with the, the players union. And, you know, from jokes about Max Scherzer having like, 
a pot of decaf and a pot of regular in each hand at two in the morning, like staring everyone down and, and just, you know, in a, in a complete rage to, you know, to the players probably at the end, sort of having to tranquilize Max Scherzer um, <laughs> as the, the, the executive committee um, of the Major League Baseball Players Association, which consists of eight veteran players. They, they were less interested in the deal um, than, than the rank and file were who eventually overruled them with, what was it? I think 26 to 26. 24, okay. yeah, 20, 26 to, oh my God. 26 uh, of 38 total union leaders. Yeah. Voted in favor. Um, and I, and I would, I would venture a guess that Max Scherzer was not one of those <laughs> who voted in favor. Well, he, they said the entire executive committee voted against. So yeah. all eight members of the executive committee and then four members of the regular season, like the regular teams, each team um, representative. Yeah. Yeah. Voted against. So there were 12 nays and then the rest were yays. So, yeah, there were some things I couldn't figure out because um, Tucker Barnhart, the Tigers new catcher, um, and we'll get to actual, you know, player Tiger talk in a little bit here, but he and Matthew Boyd, who the Tigers essentially released, were both the Tigers MLBPA player representative somehow. I don't know if if, if Mr. Boyd took a assistant role. I, I don't know. That, that was kind of odd, though. I was oh, kinda, I didn't know that. That was interesting. interesting. Because well, yep. like, he was in that position before he was released. So mm-hmm. maybe it's because he, he was considered kind of the outgoing and the season hadn't started yet. So Tucker Barnhart hadn't technically taken over the mantle. So it was kind of like a yeah an interim thing where they both had the role. Yeah, it could be. Um, and we so. also noticed like Casey Mai is um, probably of, of all the, the current young Tigers was the one who was most vocal um, and you know, tweeted out a few things that, that, made it pretty clear he was paying close attention and so you could probably expect Casey Mize to be a future uh, players representative as well um, I think I mean let, let's just start here I mean do you think who do you I don't want to say I hate the idea of like one side winning or one side losing because that's the very attitude that that leads to some of this nonsense but how do you feel the players did in the end I I feel like they are not happy uh, I feel like they got, I think they got to a point where they're like, this is probably the best we're going to do while still maintaining a full season's worth of revenue for ourselves. Um, Cause at a certain point you have to look at it and say, Hey, like the more we argue with this, every game is costing us thousands of dollars. And at the end of the day, if we keep arguing that for months, what's the point of arguing for some of the things that we're, you know, trying to achieve here. Right. Um, I don't think there, I think that there were bridges burned during this process between MLB and the MLBPA that are going to be really, really hard to rebuild when we come up with this again in what, five years? Yeah. Um, that I think that the feelings of negativity, I mean, just because say Max Scherzer's not on the executive committee anymore in five years, the young guys watching this aren't going to forget. Yeah. The guys who, you know, changed out their profile pictures, like the Casey Mises, the guys that have watched, you know, the veterans fight for them aren't going to forget the way that they were treated. Yeah. And I think it was pretty clear from the commentary we got from guys posting on Twitter and even in interviews that they felt like they were being infantilized. They felt like they were being treated like they were idiots. Yeah. Um, They were puppets of the agents. Scott Boris yeah, that, and others. That, that, yeah. yeah, that Scott Boris is back there pulling strings and the players have no agency to kind of demand what they want. And of course, somebody who's getting a cut must be the one who's the super, super brain behind it. And that's all, you know, BS. That's, these guys are smart. These guys have negotiated their own contracts. These guys know 
what's what they're they're fighting for yeah and i don't think they're happy i think they're 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 okay with it yeah um but i i don't think at the end of the day that it's probably ultimately the deal that they would have liked i think they probably had to make a lot of concessions they didn't want to yeah. And I don't know that the owners are probably 100% happy, but I feel like they're probably happier than anybody because they're walking away with a full season of ticket sales, of jersey sales. And, and at the end of the day, all of the money from like the TV deals and the new Apple TV Plus deal and, and all of that. So, I mean, they walked away richer than when they started. Yep. So, and, that, and that's, I mean, I think fundamentally, if people didn't already know this, that's, that's what we learned here is that there's at the end of the, you know, there's only so much that the players can do. The owners have all the leverage, you know, the owners can wait out a whole season. And even if the players were willing to lose that money, players want to play and young players only have so many years in their career. Um, you know, there's, there's just those, those fundamental imbalances in a negotiation between those two parties that are, that are just never going to be resolved um, probably unless there's some, you know, magical, you know, overarching like executive committee that, you know, is composed of certain owners and certain players someday. And, and it's really hard to foresee um, something like that come to pass. I mean, I think the executive committee probably isn't that happy. Um, I'm guessing that the 30 player reps heard it from, heard it eventually from their, you know, the rest of the players um, that they, they just wanted to go. They didn't want to fight over, you know, some of the small details that, that were left remaining. Um, as soon as the players basically gave up the idea of like, um, you know, third year arbitration, you know, um, trying to get to free agency sooner. Once those big structural structural items kind of became, you know, something that was off the table. I, in the end, I think based on that, they probably did about as well as they could. Um, they got the major league minimum, a, a pretty substantial bump of about, you know, 20 percent um, with a structure to make that grow each year. They finally got the league to agree to raise the, the competitive balance tax threshold and stop penalizing the, the, the big spenders and the more aggressive teams, um, which, which really limits the overall pool of money that's available to the players. So they got, they got those two big things that they wanted. They got the pre-arbitration bonus pool, which I think sometimes um, got misportrayed maybe by the media, but maybe just no one ever just sort of explicitly made the point that, you know, 60 million in a pre-arb bonus pool bonus pool is only 2 million per team, <laughs> you know, in the end, they were arguing over, you know, whether or not that was going to be 1 million or 2 million a year, you know, and it was, um, and the owners were still fighting them every step of the way yeah. there. So, you know, they, they did get most of those things. Um, they, they kept the league or the, the owners from getting a 14 team playoff, which I personally think would have been pretty excessive. Um, I'm not the oh, biggest fan of 12, but 12, I can kind of live with, um, we finally got the universal DH, um, which was just sort of like a, a thing I think everybody was more or less agreed upon. What was really weird is that the sort of the final sticking point after, yeah, like three different negotiating deadlines that came and went and were extended and, and didn't happen. And, deadlines. Yeah. And the owners portrayed every time that, you know, we're, we're almost at a deal. It's just this one issue remaining. And then as soon as those deadlines passed, the players would come out and make the point that, no, we weren't even that close on all these other things yet. Um, that was just pressure tactics by the ownership. The thing that finally came down to was the international um, free agent draft, which was kind of surprising because, I mean, I, don't, I really don't see that much of a difference to the, the bonus pool structure, which gives teams like six or seven million to spend or a draft structure that gives them, you know, seven million or eight million total um, to spend on players with, with 
locked in tiers for each slot bonus. Um, There's differences there because obviously we all know that players are, are agreeing in principle based on their, their buscones, their trainers, their agents um, in the Dominican Republic, in Venezuela and other places at, you know, 12 and 13 years old. A lot of the time, Um, a lot of these kids are, you know, in families who are under financial pressure um, they just want to play baseball and, you know, the system is designed to, to take advantage of, of them in that way. And the fact that those trainers, if, if they actually put this thing into, into pass, which they haven't yet, that was something that they just finally like pushed off onto the back burner um, in order to, to reach an agreement. But, um, you know, it, it does mean that the, the trainers can't really get paid on the side to funnel them to certain teams anymore because they could be drafted anywhere, um, which, which sort of at least gets them to age 16 before like the decision that will, you know, manage the whole rest of their their lives. Um, Fundamentally until those players have an opportunity to play good competitive ball until they're 18 and go to college and play in college, there's just never going to be the same, you know, agency that, um, that American players have um, or um, Japanese and Korean players have because the, the structures are just so, well-defined and in place there. So, you know, in the end, I could see maybe the players um, agreeing to that. The Latin American players didn't want the international draft. And I, and I have to think that may just be partly out of loyalty to the people who, you know, who picked them up when they were 12 and 13, Yeah. basically, you know, basically part raised them in sort of a boarding school and taught them to play and got them a contract and led to their dream, you know, for all those guys, it worked out great. And so I would assume they kind of look back with, with some loyalty and don't necessarily want to blow the structure up, you know, at 1159, you know, with one minute to midnight um, without really thinking through all the, all the ramifications for how players would, young players would be able to even play the game and and get coached um, because the financial incentives would change for the people who do the coaching. So, yeah. um, So that, I just thought that was a weird, a weird ask at the end. Um, You know, the, the league has wanted an international free agent draft for a long time, but it was just sort of always like something they would ask for and players would just be like, no. Nah. And, um, and it never really became a sticking point. We didn't even think it was, it was part of the negotiations um, really anymore by the time we got to um, well, Tuesday night when that sort of became the big issue. Um, so anyway, they, what they did was just push that aside till July 25th and um, they'll think about it. And if they can come up with a, a decent way to implement it, they'll do that. If not, they'll just keep the old structure and, you could probably think of a couple things where if they had just sort of like cut those out as, as separate negotiations, this like, hey, would have been we'll done a long time. <laughs> yeah. Talk yeah. about this later. Yeah. We'll agree to disagree yeah. now and, and try to try to get something done. But yeah, it just all comes back to, you know, our, our basic frustration. And I'm, and I'm certainly on the, of the type to side with, you know, a union over, over owners, um, you know, to, to a certain extent, no one's trying to like destroy the owners necessarily, but um, the players are the, if, if we make a music industry comparison, the players are the artists, the players are why we, why we pay to play, to watch the game. And um, if, if the owners all switch tomorrow, it wouldn't change anything. But if you swapped in, you know, a thousand basketball players for baseball players, it would be uh, entertaining perhaps, but disastrous. So, so we tend to side that way, you know, and, I, and mean, I know that's true, but because of the, the, the way the owners went about this and their tactics and the fact that they were always going to just, just take the season, you know, in a game of chicken right to the brink before they would even seriously start negotiating. It was just impossible 
um, to do some kind of a fair and balanced um, style of coverage. And I, I just didn't want to as a managing editor at that point. I was like, nope, it's uh, it's adversarial journalism time a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, we, we felt fine taking it to Chris Illich when he was one of the few guys who torpedoed an earlier deal. Um, you know, nothing personal, but uh, a lot of a lot of the way they handled this was just hot garbage. So my general rule of thumb is to never side with billionaires if there's a different option. Yeah. Um, it's, it's billi- really billionaires wise. are <laughs> never going to be the good guys. Like yeah. you can send all the Starlinks to Ukraine. You want Elon Musk, but we're still going to be suspicious of your motives. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any such thing as a good billionaire. I don't know. Like when somebody can donate $9 billion, but still be making more money than they're giving away you're not earning that like you're not yeah you're not and then you you come to realize that yeah i mean 12 12 major league owners basically just inherited their fortunes you know i mean it's just very hard (laughs) very hard to uh to be on their side in this um especially the way that they approached it so well and especially and i think coverage you know that's the angle that we're coming from and i and i really just want to I really just want to thank Patrick O'Kennedy for doing oh my a God. freaking brilliant job covering the whole thing um, all winter long when the rest of us were ready to rip our hair out and, you know, the details are coming in. It really helps to have a good lawyer on staff. That's what I, Absolutely. That's what I found. Absolutely. Patrick carried, carried the weight of a lot of the really like complicated stuff and yeah. like made it very palatable. So yeah, we couldn't have done it without him. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I've noticed, um, is that since the minute, you know, this was agreed and Rob Manfred gave a statement, let's see, all of a sudden it's, it's Mr. Conciliatory tone, you know, Mm, um, sorry to the fans got to rebuild some relationships. One of the things that I'm supposed to do, and I'm quoting, one of the things that I'm supposed to do is promote a good relationship with our players. Manfred said during his news conference, (laughs) I've tried to do that, but I think that I've not been successful in that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it begins with small steps and it's why I picked the phone up after the ratification and called Tony Clark and expressed my desire to work with him. It's going to be a priority of mine moving forward to try to make good on the commitments I made to him on the phone, which is nice. And um, I would like that if Rob and Tony became boys and could hash some of these things out between them. Um, we all know Rob Manford is under an enormous pressure because he's just the functionary of the owners at this point, even though he's the, the locus of rage for a lot of the fan base. Um, for some of the rule changes and statements and calling the world series trophy, a hunk of metal, <laughs> a whole, whole host of other, he's not, not the best on his feet. Let's, let's just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that a real step towards a reconciliation between the sides would probably be a different commissioner of major league baseball. Yeah. And I don't know if that would help anything. You know, I really, I really don't, but, um, but the relationship is definitely very strained these days. Um, and yeah, maybe that would clear the air. I mean, if I think most of our readership is pretty familiar, but you know, it was the, the 2020, you know, owners unwilling to, to start the season after the delay to kind of see what was happening with COVID and then sort of holding the players hostage that if, that they wouldn't start the season unless they agreed to not only take just their, their prorated salary by game, but also to cut into that salary and give a percentage of it back to the owners to subsidize their losses. Um, when the players were already taking, you know, a 60 plus percent loss on the season themselves. Uh, I I really think that was the point where the the union just sort of like solidified where there was just a big F you in in their eyes to, to everything coming out of Manfred's mouth. Um, and it didn't help that he came out the next year and, you know, 
said that they weren't going to do anything about the sticky ball enforcement until the end of the year. They were going to wait, you know, they were just kind of leave foreign sub- substances as they were. And then, yeah, you know, like whatever, eight weeks into the season, all of a sudden they're like, Surprise! Oh, oh, sticky gate. Yep. You got two weeks and we're going to make you all look like, you know, a bunch of cheaters, even though we all sort of agreed on all these kind of things all along um, that, that didn't help things. There was a lot they did to poison the well before we got to this point. And, and as a result, the players probably did better than I think some people may have expected them to. Um, the big items didn't happen, but yeah, they got the young play- players paid a lot more. Um, that's a good thing. They got the competitive balance tax moved up. They fought off the 14-game playoff thing. They agreed to some rule changes. Um, some of the other rule changes, they kind of agreed to a committee that will put off some of those things like the... I think the pitching clock got pushed back to twenty. Pitching clock is gone for this season. Yeah. Um, Ghost runner is gone. So Thank any God. extra innings is back to normal. There'll be no runner automatically on second. Um, is the big bag. The big bases are next year now too. Right? Next year, yeah. I think. Yeah. And we're back to nine inning double headers. Yeah. So, which me as an old lady, I kind of liked the seven inning double headers. Cause mm-hmm. I could really make my way through them without falling asleep. Um, but you know, purists will say Madison Bumgarner, uh, <laughs> you know, he would have, would have been on that list, but you know, seven innings doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, is, that was kind of tricky how that, that yeah. worked out. I kind of like the seven inning doubleheader too. Cause you could, I mean, especially as a fan going to the park, you could see two games in four hours, Absolutely. four and a half yeah. hours, you know? That's the way to do it. That's how they do it at like in like unaffiliated like parks too, right? Like if I'm yeah. going to a goldenized game and it's a double header, seven innings, baby. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, so I don't know. I, I think some of the small stuff is great. One of the things that's really interesting that they've announced is that starting in 2023, um, we're gonna see fewer division rivalries. So instead of having, you know, 19 games a season between the twins and the you know the royals what'll happen is that every team will play every other team at least once in a season yeah uh, it's great because it means we'll see some other nl teams besides the pirates in a yeah. year which the reds really yeah, cool. yeah. Um, so i i'm kind of looking forward to that honestly i think it makes a lot of sense considering the division between the leagues is very slim now really with everybody having the dh yep um, it's a lot more uniform. So why not have the teams play each other more consistently? It doesn't you yeah. know, require any additional thinking from an AL manager to have to be like, Oh, how do I manage my pitchers? And how do yeah. I do this? And, and vice versa. So I think I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I'm excited to see more, you know, unique and different schedules instead of just like, Oh, okay. Well, we just saw the twins. Guess we're going to see the twins again next week. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it'd be nice to, you know, have the Mets roll in and then the Dodgers and see some of those players. Um, Jay Markle, one of our writers, made a pretty good point, too, that, you know, we we talk a lot about ways to to popularize the the best players in the game. And I have to think, thinking back to my childhood, and I I grew up in the 80s, I'm 47. So, you know, I remember when it was just the, you know, the AL and the the NL and it, you know, you didn't pay attention. I didn't pay attention to National League teams. I didn't pay attention to the Cubs. I knew who like Ryan Sandberg and, you know, Ron Santo were and a couple people, but, you know, you didn't pay attention to those teams because you never saw them. Um, and there were a lot of players that I missed in those years for that reason. You know, I, I barely saw Barry Larkin or, you know, like Ozzy Smith, you know, Ozzy Smith had the flash. You, you kind of couldn't help but know who he was because he would make the highlights. Yeah. But, 
Yeah, you didn't see those players. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you want to see Shohei Otani play in all 30 parks. Mike Trout play in all 30 parks, you know, over, you know, a four or five year span um, to where everyone can get a chance to go see all those players in their prime. So I I like that part. Um, The other where I would like that to go is to them doing, you know, a lot more to partner with the players. Um, That's the most frustrating thing about this is that you see other other sports leagues. You know, their stars become sort of partners to the to the franchise and to the owner um, and, and they'll promote them, you know, much more effectively. You know, you see that in football and basketball. Um, and you don't really I mean, you see it to a degree, at least like on a local scale in baseball, but you don't see it sort of like on a national level. Um you know, and, and you see all the money that they're making on the players' likenesses. Um, you know, there's the league selling NFTs now, for God's sakes. Um, you know, they've got their gambling partnerships that, you know, make the players look a little bit more like just random number generators for gambling. Which um, and are often treated that way, sort of, in the in the way the rules that, that the league wants seem to kind of, you know, devalue some of the traditional aspects of the game in order to, you know, sort of service that side of things. Although there's kind of an interesting twist on that and that now there's, as far as I understand it, there's no, like, nothing blocking players from promoting betting sites now. Yeah. In, in that they can do, you know, so, you know, Shohei Otani, if you wanted, could do like a DraftKings promo or wherever like obviously he can't say hey guys you know you should probably bet on this because then i'm gonna like you know throw a no hitter <laughs> the next day but you can be like hey you know what'll it be and you can yeah so uh, which i think will be very interesting and i'm sure will lead to plenty of conversations about like oh pete rose and i'm like that's not the same thing no, pete rose no. didn't like you know try to sell you betting he bet on games he was actively participating in yeah kind of different (laughs) and against and against the rules i mean i still i still don't i i'm still very wary about these these gambling i don't you know i don't like like it all i could think about last year when they changed the the foreign substance rule mid-season was all the people who had made prop bets on tyler glasnow to be the al cy young you know and if you change the rules you know halfway through like that's not how bets work you know (laughs) I mean, when you, when you spat in your hand and, and made a handshake bet when you were a kid, you didn't, you know, you didn't get to change the rule set midway through um, to put it at a ludicrously sure. low level that applies to nothing in corporate finance. But, you know, yeah, sure that, that's kind of put that bet on himself at the beginning of the season. And then because of sticky gate ended up having to have Tommy John. So yeah. maybe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, he would say that. Oh yeah. He would say that. You're right. Yeah. He has said that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was his whole <laughs> take on it. Yep. I'm just saying we don't know. I'm just I'm just coming in with we don't know for sure, but yeah. Allegedly, the change in his pitching grip was what caused. So I I'll believe the man who's you know throwing. Well, look, Killian Murphy, Mr. Killian Murphy, with his long hair and crooked finger, you know, like you know, maybe maybe he should have made some adjustments. His hair looks flawless. <laughs> by the way, I just saw an interview with him earlier today. Well, that's he, good. He's taking good care of the flow, at least. Yeah. The flow is is at one hundred. It looks uh, great. Uh, I don't know about his arm. We'll see if he comes back this season. But um. yep. So let's see. So the one rule change we got, yeah, we got the universe that doesn't need a hitter. I'm just running through these. Oh, the other thing was the 16 draft lottery to ostensibly encourage teams to not tank because they can't necessarily guarantee a first or second overall pick. That that yeah. doesn't seem to work generally, but whatever. You know, that's fine. Um, you can't option a player more than 
five times during the season. So that I thought was getting them up and down. Yeah, that is we kind of a unique one. We did an instant react to this on the D Rays Bay podcast, and I made a point, and I think it's an important one, is that something people forget, especially about minor league players, mm-hmm. is that they only make league minimum for the games that they are in the majors. Yeah. And it's not like, hey, you're, you know, you're shuttling around the 40 man roster. You're going to get your $700,000. Quit whining that you have to go back and forth between Toledo all the time. It's not. It, you're going between making one game percentage worth of $700,000 or 500 as it were up until now. Yeah. To going back to your $14,000 a year to play for the Mud Hens. Like it's not. Yeah. And I, I think that that can do damage mentally on people especially people that maybe have a family that they're trying to like take care of that have yeah. you know are worried about where their next meal's coming from because i don't think we give minor league players enough credit for how little they're making yeah and how much they bear the responsibility of that which will be eased slightly with the whole housing thing that's mm-hmm. been changed this year but i think to know that you can only be moved so many times yeah means that you're not having to worry about that so extensively and you're and as a pitcher maybe especially like you're not going to be ill used um in the way that sometimes happens where they'll call you up on three days rest because they they desperately need a a six starter and then they send you down but then you're in toledo and you're not a top prospect and so all of a sudden it's like well you got to pitch on regular rest but we'll try to you know try to keep you to 60 pitches um yeah i mean you become just sort of like a, a filler tool um under that system sometimes and yeah i mean with the minimum at seven hundred thousand now, a player makes on the minimum makes um, four thousand three hundred and twenty-one dollars per game, but in the minor leagues, it's probably a lot more like like two hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> at Triple A, like below that, it's it's less than nothing that by a lot. But yeah. can you imagine that? Like the difference between hey, one day I show up to work yeah. and I'm making two hundred dollars to be here. The next day, I have to take a quick bus ride or a quick flight down to Anaheim. And I get paid $4,000 to work that day, but then I'm sent back down and like how that would just screw with me mentally so badly to like try and like assess my life. Um, and I know, and you get into that like, weird, like twilight zone where you're not part of either team yeah. you know, anymore. You're just, it was sort of like being on the taxi squad or something where, except that you're not with the team, <laughs> you know, you're just like going back down and guys are like, Oh, what's the bigs like? And then you're back up and everybody's like, Oh, Hey, it's you again. But you know, you, you don't know anybody and you're always the low man on the totem pole. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just bad vibes. You know, it's yeah. easy to think of players as machines who are just supposed to go out and physically perform when it's time or just to be happy perform. that they're in the majors for that right, game. Right. Like, Oh, why can't you just, you're, you know, you're getting a chance. That and they are, they, they are. are, but yeah, but it's just, yeah. So, so far from ideal. Um, so yeah, I thought that wasn't even something that I really had in, in mind going into this. So I was glad they did that. That, that was a pretty good idea. I think as well. Oh, no more game one sixty threes. Yeah, no more game one sixty threes. Yeah, what it's some kind of tiebreaker now, correct? It's NFL style, I think it's is how they're doing it. I don't I didn't read too heavily into that it, was, but yeah, that was um, what I saw too. Chaos is no longer going to be an option at the end of a season anymore. Yeah. Um I don't know. How do you feel about the expanding the playoffs to 12 teams? I mean, I don't think I have like terribly strong feelings one way. Like it's not going to bother me. Um, I didn't really necessarily like the wild card game at first, but then it's become like, there's just been so many classic 
wildcard games because it's like you turn on this one game and the whole dang season rides on it. And it's hard, it is hard to, you know, it is hard to, to not get caught up in the energy of that. So, you know, I came around on that, but it's still like, you know, so much decided on one game is, is kind of weird. So I don't, I don't really mind it. Um, I fully expect that we're going to have 32 teams within the next, you know, five to, to 10 years. Um, and at that point it's okay. 14 was just getting to be too much to where you were going to have like, you know, teams with like a 450 winning yeah. percentage in the, in the postseason, which is kind of how hockey got, um, you know, to where it was like all, but, you know, I don't know. It was like all but six or eight teams would, would, would get a berth in the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's just too much. I, I like that they expanded it in the sense that I think it will encourage more teams to, to try and put together a solid roster. And I don't think it's going to discourage like the top big spending teams from trying to put together, like, okay, we're going to, you know, put together a classic Los Angeles Dodgers juggernaut and try to win the whole thing. So, you know, I think that's kind of good. I think it kind of juices the trade deadline, which has kind of faded a bit the past few years um, as teams have started to value their prospects more. I think it's a little bit more attractive now to like, okay, you know, if we're in it, we're going to, we're going to try to get somebody and, and make a push because if you can get into that first round, um, you know, the, the money um, that's in there for the owners and, you know, and there's bonuses for the players, there's a player pool as well. Um, you know, it's fairly attractive. So, you know, some of these things have un- unintended consequences. And that's the other thing about these deals is that we all think we know how, how, you know, what this will lead to. And, and, you know, this is good for the players, you know, this is good for the owners, but sometimes it's really hard to tell. Um, and at the end of the day, the owners can just pay what they want. You know um, that was the thing I, I was trying to remind some people who were going way too far and trying to, you know, turn this into the great labor fart fight part of our time, you know, is that, you know, <laughs> You, they can negotiate all the things they want to, but you know, at the end of the day, the owners could just be like, well, you know, we're going to tacitly agree with the, with each other that we're not, we're not going to go as, as crazy as we used to. And we'll just limit your salaries. You know, there's, there's only so much you can do without some kind of comprehensive uh, overhaul of the system, the removal of the antitrust exemption and, you know, like getting the national labor relations board involved in the whole, the whole deal. Um, and I don't think, really either side really wanted to come to that they just want you know the players just want to play fundamentally and, and and be compensated fairly for the money that they generate from their talent and i think more or less they got there uh, and the owners got the things they wanted with you know another whatever 85 million a year in playoff revenue for adding the extra teams and, and the and more of a round than one game and they're going to get those the advertising patches which please God, just let them be small <laughs> and, and unobtrusive. Cause if they start looking like golfers out there, I'm going to have a real problem. I'm oh, well. sure they haven't gone that far. I'm sure they haven't gone that far yet. Um, you know, they're supposed to be small. The whole point is that, you know, they, they know that, you know, there are various camera positions throughout the game that are going to show the logo in this place on their body, the longest, that, you know, I mean, that's, it's all mapped out. Like the, the advertising people have time on, on air, you know, metrics for literally anything like that. Um, so hopefully it will remain yeah, relatively small and, and unobtrusive. If not, you know, the players can stage a Chris Sale style protest and cop <laughs> all their jerseys to shreds with the knife. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. Cut patches out. Uh-huh. Yep. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, I mean, I guess that kind of brings us to the Tigers. Um, And I mean, the Tigers are, seem to me, as I wrote today, um, you know, probably in better shape than a lot of teams just because of what they got done beforehand. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think that they... I don't think there was much left for them to do at the point where we hit the lockout, which is really lucky because I think a lot of teams are kind of holding their breath. Um, I know some people would really like them to go whole hog and like pick up Carlos Correa in addition to Javier Baez and have like the, the best middle infield in, in the American league. Um, and then get Carlos says, Rodon in the rotation. Well, yeah. Car- if I could pick one, if I could pick any one thing that they would do that's like tonight, Tomorrow they would sign Carlos Rodon to like a one, two year deal. Yeah. And I would be, if that's the only move they make after Mm -hmm. this point, like, I mean, I'd love to see them put someone in the bullpen, but like, if that's the only thing they do at this point, I would be perfectly content with that being it. Yep. And I would be, and I, I would probably, you know, make a a specific point if I was the one writing that up to, to, to point out that Chris Illich kind of made good. If he, if he, if he did that much, um, you know, I, I would definitely throw a bone his way because yeah, I mean, the Tigers have kind of established this like two year, like preliminary window where they're going to bring up Torkelson and green this year and next year. Um, Casey Mize and Tark Scooble won't reach arbitration yet. There, there's that sort of middle ground there where they're waiting for Miggy to retire. Um, it's possible that Javier Baez can opt out after two years. There's, there's two years here where, you know, before Miggy's contract expires and then hopefully they, they go, they do go whole hog and, and really buy into some big free agents. Yeah. You know, drop, you know, there's no long-term commitment needed drop, you know, 30 million on Carlos Rodon for one year, 40 for two years, something like that. Yeah. And we know he's injury prone. We know it might work, not work out. Um, but if you time, if, if the timing works out with him, where you even get him for the second half of the season and the postseason, he's just such a dang weapon. Um, he could, he could carry them over the top. So yeah, I would love to see that as well. I'm not expecting that, but um, but that would be great. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> there was enough, enough supposition of it being a possibility that I, I don't think it's out of the realm of it I, happening. Yeah, I don't need. I don't either. It's just yeah, I just wouldn't quite. You know, I, that would be getting my hopes up a little bit, and I've, I've learned not to do that. Baseball's beating it. Out. I I think we might have all gotten <laughs> our hopes a little high on the Correa situation. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm still not. I'm still not mad about Javier Baez. I think no, no, me neither. I think that people really got themselves in a little bit of a twist about that because he wasn't Correa. Yeah, uh, but they forget that he's still Javier Baez. <laughs> Yeah. And, the, and there's the aspect that if, if that gives you some flexibility to do something else, which is sort of where, where I came down on it. Like if this lets yeah. them go, go do some other things as well, that then it's worth it. Um, otherwise I would kind of just like to have the best dang player we could and, and stick him in at shortstop and have a five to six warp, you know, possible MVP candidate in this lineup. But Javier Baez is so fun. Um, yeah. I, I know he's going to strike out 30 to 35% yeah. of the time. He's going to hit 30 home runs going to play good defense, going to run the bases like a demon and probably one out of every 10 games, he's going to do something. You just drops your jaw. Like you just can't understand. (laughs) Yeah. 
I don't, don't call him Elmago for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just so, I mean, the entertainment value in Javier Baez is, is, is almost, you know, beyond whatever war could possibly calculate. Oh, he's so charming. Like, he's such a likable person. Yeah. I think that, it, yeah, there's just going to be And so he's a very fiery, like, high competitive yeah. guy, but he's also, like, has fun out there at the same yeah. time in a very, very nice way, like a nice balanced way. Um, so, you know, we can hope that Miguel Cabrera has a bit of an effect on him and he becomes a little more selective with what he's swinging at suddenly hits 300, you know, and then bam, we've got a star. It probably won't quite work out like that, but you know, that's, that, that was a good signing. Eduardo Rodriguez. I loved um, as a, as an addition to the rotation. He's a guy who's got a really nasty changeup. Um, he should fit in Comerica park perfectly. Um, he, he could be a Cy Young contender. He's been close before still only 29 um, has kind of gotten over some of the earlier injury issues so I'm pretty happy with that. I'm happy with Tucker Barnhart. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we weren't going to do a whole lot better um, as, as far as, as far as like finding offense and that level of defensive catcher. So I'll take the defensive catcher who hits left-handed Eric Hoskin hit the bombs against the lefties. Gives me a break from writing my annual tigers need a veteran catcher article for a little while. I'll yep. be fine with that. That might get shelves because you know, if they, uh, if they bring in the, the pitch clock and then the, um, the robot ump framing might not matter so much. And then you're, you're going to see some offensive minded, minded catchers probably, but and hopefully Dylan Dingler will be one of them. By the time that happens, I hope we're so far along that Alex Avila is the manager for the team. Right? <laughs> <laughs> then, then we'll be good no matter what. And I'll be uh, happy forever. Yeah. 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 You'd be, you'd be in perfect shape then. Maybe how about, um, how about he can work in player development? <laughs> I, I, never see him I, more, am, I think that's what he's kind of suited for. I am 100% convinced you can come back to me in 15 years mm-hmm. and we'll come back to this. I, oh, I'm going to agree. I know what you're going to say. And I agree. He's going to be the manager for that team one day. Well, he's good. Or I, a I guarantee, team. Yeah. I guarantee he'll be a major league manager. Yeah. But I, I feel like question of Al, you never know if Al Avila stays here. If whatever, but whatever I, I, I think even without Al being responsible for it at all, yeah. the Tigers love yeah. regardless of that, former catchers working oh, yeah. as managers in their system. I mean, obviously and everybody does. Yeah. Every team loves former catchers, but I think that like you look at historically speaking, I think, I mean, he's retired now. So I think, mm-hmm. I think within the next three years, three yeah. years, I'd say a three year timeline, he'll be managing at a minor league club. Yep. I agree. He's, um, you know, he's going to have a good time with the kids and learn how to play golf for a year yeah. or two and go, let, go let his body, let his body heal up and yep. yeah, get the hunger back and, and get back out there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So, so yeah, we're, we're set at catcher pretty well set as far as the lineup goes. Um, we, we need a starter. We're probably not going to get Carlos Rodon, but we would love that. I really, <sighs> Assuming, optimism ass- let's be optimistic now for once today i i kind of can be um it's just yeah. been, it's been such a whirlwind um but uh but if we're not optimistic i i just hope that they get a bunch of pitching depth like do what they did last yeah. year stock up a bunch of major league veteran starters at triple a like we got Tehran and arania and willie peralta last year needed all of them really <laughs> at times. Cause that's how it goes. Um, if they can, if they can do something like that and maybe find a good bullpen arm, um, that, that would all be all right. Um, the Tigers still have some young players that they want to want to try. I don't expect we're going to go like sign like a sneaky utility man, veteran type player. Um, it's, it's probably not going to go like that. So I, I, you know, yeah, we'll just see. We're, we'll hope for Carlos Rodan and 
and kind of take what we take what we get. What would you think? And this is just a total hypothetical that just came to mind. What would you think if they re-signed Boyd on a minor league deal if he didn't sign anywhere else? Um, I I I would absolutely do that immediately. Um, but I would also sign him to a major league deal too. Um, if you could yeah. get him relatively cheap. The the cool thing about Matthew Boyd is that he's not going to be available till June. So you've kind of got him in your back pocket and it's so hard to get like a good veteran that you can just kind of stash for two months and wait and see what happens to your staff and everything else. You know, Matt Boyd would be good out of the bullpen, uh, but he also was having probably the best season of his career as a starter last year. And that's, that's a lot there. Um, And obviously he's well loved on the team. He's one of the, one of the team leaders who through all the terrible years. Um, So probably no one's, would be more thrilled to be on a Tiger team that was really good than, than Matt Boyd. I mean, he'd, he'd do anything you want. Um, he'd, he'd be uh, he'd be working his little tail off. So yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I would I could recommend see a, that no matter a, another what. team picking him up still. But I, I think, think there are, there yeah. are some that are going to be cautious because of his history of injury. Yeah. Um, but I, that just came to me. I'm like, yeah, he's a free agent. I if bet he, if he was working he around, wants, they could throw a deal yeah. his way. Yeah. I totally would, would make that offer right now. Like I'd be calling him and then trying to get him for, you know, three or $4 million for another year yeah. if possible. That'd be, that'd be ideal. Um, I could see Matt Boyd kind of feeling like if I, if I sign that kind of deal and, and sort of do whatever you want, maybe pitch out of the bullpen and all that, my starter career kind of might yeah. be on the brink, you know, if he can find an opportunity where he thinks he's going to get, you know, 25 starts when he comes back, hopefully early June or um, 20 starts, let's say um, I could see him wanting to take that, but yeah, I'd really like to keep him uh, personally. I think that would be a, be a good idea. And it's, it's hard to get players that you don't know to agree to that kind of thing, but someone like Matt Boyd might be pretty happy to, to stick around. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't really looked at Twitter and I don't want to right now, but yeah, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm already like, uh, like I can feel in the back of my head. I, I see the amount of notifications piling up and I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Today I'm just was, ch- such I a crazy, was such a crazy day for me because I went, I was just on such a roller coaster from like, nope, this isn't happening to, oh, maybe it's going to happen. And then I realized like in the, I just, the spidey sense kicked in about 2 PM and I started writing stuff left and right. Like I wrote a, <laughs> a huge primer where I linked in like all of our best stuff from the off season. Uh, I started working on an article about Doug Lotta, um, the private hitting instructor and his connection to Craig Wallenbrock who um he who doug lotta used to work with and they had like the same hitting facility in california craig wallenbrock is the one who fixed jd martinez and kicked off the private hitting instructor you know modern swing revolution and doug lotta has been working with a whole bunch of tigers like jake rogers Derek hill um ryan kreidler he's the architect of ryan kreidler's new swing which is looking really good um eric de la rosa so I started writing that article and I'm and all of a sudden I was just in a frenzy again after weeks You're just, of just like apathy, just writing about the serious process. typing Kermit. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My keyboard did not know what was happening. Yep. So yeah, it was nice to feel that, that, that energy start to crackle again. Cause it's just been so, so frustrating and baseball well, I, writers I in particular like, are such a depressive breed when there's nothing going on. <laughs> plugging my laptop in at 6 PM I was just like, damn, it's going to come in. It's going to be happening. Don't have to write about anything right now. What am I doing? I'm like, let's go. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm primed and ready to be writing recaps. Like, yeah, calm down. Yep, I know. But yeah, but I felt the same way. I was, like, I was like five coffees deep. And then the whole thing went down. I published stuff. I edited something else. I published that. And then I was like, 
and then everyone's going nuts and full of energy and i was like okay i need to i need to stop and take a nap now <laughs> brandon is very exhausted and wrung out yeah yeah the emotional high was yeah. too much for me after the whole day so yeah it was a it was a wild day and and those days are are the best ones for covering things. I mean, another week and I would have been a foreign policy expert on Ukraine, like all the other baseball writers, like it had to be nipped in the butt. <laughs> we had to refocus your energies. Yeah, exactly. There has to be something uh, for us to obsess over or, or there's there's going to be trouble. Can't leave us unattended. God knows. What no, we need to. to put our obsessive energy somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I'll be arguing about nuclear deterrence policy on the internet with random strangers and stuff. You, you can't, you just can't go that route. It's terrible. It's a bad scene. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean if we think about like what we're going to cover um over the next couple of weeks as usual we'll probably kind of try to let the news guide the coverage because the next it's hard to write about free agents because in the next day and a half for all we know there might be a hundred dudes signed um yeah this, before we even get it published. won't be time for speculation i don't mm-hmm. think i think we'll cover yeah. what signings there are then maybe do a breakdown of who's left yeah. You know, when next week rolls around and games starts, like who could they pick up? Um, you and then we'll have spring training coverage will kick in. Yeah. We'll have that. Um, maybe some trade talk that that we might be able to, to sneak in before. Yeah. Before the free agent class kind of gets snatched up and people start talking about trades. We might be able to work a few things. You like know, that. I, f- I feel like one Kevin Kiermeyer might be available on the open market. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Uh, if we wanted to, if we wanted to, pick up a defensive center fielder but yeah i you know i think we're good we got to play Derek hill we got to play badu we got to get riley green up here and not let the tigers you know stall them out down there oh that was another that was another thing added in the um the cba was that there are if you call up a rookie on opening day and they finish i forget what it is exactly it's like if they finish in the top couple um in rookie of the year or mvp voting you get um, some draft pick compensation oh. for having called them up to try to encourage teams to bring them up sooner. Um, that was kind of interesting because, you know, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson make pretty, pretty good bets as um, AL rookie of the year. If you started them right off from the, the bat, there's also, of course, like Jesus Rodriguez out in Seattle. There's, there's some good guys. I don't even know who the Rays have, but God damn it. The Rays always have like some genius. There is always like- some, I mean, <laughs> Franco will be out because he's obviously already yeah. surpassed his rookie limitations. Um, yeah, I don't know who they'll call up this year. It'll be I mean, the Orioles could call up Adley Rushman maybe, or Grayson Rodriguez. There's going to be some talented, talented kids coming up. Is there anyone in the minor leagues who doesn't throw a hundred anymore? I swear to God. Like I watch, I watch these prospects and follow the, the national top 200 or so. And, man there's this beast everywhere down there now it's wild stuff yes it is there's a lot of young talent and the coaching is has really turned around which brings me back to that doug lotta article because i really want to talk about the hitting revolution and the uh the way the swing has been modernized and all that sort of stuff and jd martinez and what's going on these days and why the tigers have done such a miserable job teaching hitters to hit over the years and how we have an entirely new player development staff now who's going to go nuts down there and I don't even know how to deal with all this optimism about the farm system, but um, I'm trying to just <laughs> ride with it because I believe it this time. And we've been bagging on them for years and we were pretty much right. So, yep, this is what we wanted them to do and they did it. So I have to go all in. My chips it's are already down. Generally very difficult for cynics to like feel joy about things. Um, so I think we're having a hard time in general between the two of us, just like tempering yeah, expectations relief. right now. <laughs> we feel relief when things go well, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, or like cautious terror 
towards yeah. what might happen next is generally my way of doing it. It's like, oh, but, but, set but. Me up, set me up for something. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess if I have a book recommendation, it would be, um, I'm showing actually this on our Zoom, but you won't see us because we're um, built for radio. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's. But you know, yeah, you're, not, you're not wrong. But thank you for saying I have a face for radio. Brandon. <laughs> I was really talking about myself. Really. Um, but yeah, Swing Kings, the inside story of baseball's home run revolution by Jared Diamond, um, which I read bits of, I don't know, last summer and then finally just roared through in the past week and got super stoked about hitting now. So, yeah. Well, I don't know if we're making book recommendations. I, I recommend the newest Sierra Dean yeah. uh, book, which just came out. Uh, Legendary the- novelist. Yeah, Le- legendary Canadian novelist, I believe. Yeah, she is. Yeah, I got an interview request from like an online magazine in St. Louis, hmm. and they're like, "We want to spotlight locals," and I'm like, mm, "Stephanie, you are barking up the wrong tree, my friend." You should have oh. started talking to Cardinals. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm from down there, Albert Pujols. Oh yeah, Budweiser, Budweiser, Clyde, Arches, Arches. Mississippi River helps yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, barbecue just start name checking random crap Miles Davis yeah Miles Davis from St. Louis yeah Miles Davis's dad was a doctor in East St. Louis which was um the black segregated region in the 20s um like a very very well accomplished man um yeah Miles Davis went to Juilliard but yeah came came out of St. Louis shit I didn't know that one of the baddest of all time Oh, I mean, I know Miles Davis oh, is yeah. the baddest of all time. Oh, I, oh, I, I, know, yeah. I know. We've talked about Kind of Blue and some other albums yeah. before. Yeah, for sure. I had no idea that he was from St. Louis. That's really interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think that about catches us up. We finally have baseball, and uh, we're going to have to readjust and actually start yeah. recording more often now. Yeah, start recording more often, start, uh, start bringing in some people and yeah, doing our thing again. Um, it's been a weird break. I didn't appreciate the break because this winter has just sucked. Um, I know you had uh, like amazing uh, home improvement issues. <laughs> Living so, in Canada during winter sounds like a blast. Um, I've been listening context, to Kurt, Kurt Menching has been screaming about living up in Marquette all winter long, but you're in Winnipeg. Yeah. For context, Winnipeg has had the third most snowfall. And I don't know if that's actually going to be count because it's snowing right now. Um, the third most snowfall in a season uh, since recording of, oh of no historical recording began oh, oh wow so um not great yeah uh there are snow drifts outside my house that are taller than i am oh geez um and what happened is my roof got so heavily loaded with snow that the vents all covered over but because they were still putting out heat they iced over <laughs> and then oh, i started getting water dripping from the lights in my bathroom and hallway oh yeah oh no so uh it's been a plus really appreciated it having like buckets of water sitting out on my floor man Uh, only had one or two sobbing meltdowns (laughs) and had to get a giant roof rake and i feel like this is like northern problems i don't oh for sure i i I feel like i don't want to hear anything from anybody south of you know like the mason dixon any anyone listening to us like south of ohio is just like what's a roof rig <laughs> and i'm like it's, yeah. it's exactly what you, it sounds like it's you a have ver- steeple roofs are your roofs steep yeah i think they build them that way oh really it still didn't even matter huh there's just that much snow so what i'm gonna i'm pretty sure what i'm gonna do over summer is get you can get like heated wires 
Mm. like that are obviously still like shingle friendly but you plug them in and what it does is it melts the snow down so you don't end up with that ice damming okay the ice damming is the the biggest problem yeah so the the more you know Hmm, hmm. northern problems (laughs) yep there it is home ownership is garbage and nobody (laughs) should do it it didn't go that well for me the first time i gotta tell you but i will i will give you a sign of spring today in that the deal was signed at whatever five and right at that same moment in the sky above us, I heard a great honking sound coming out of the South and, no. and the geese landed in our pond. And I was like, Oh, it's all coming together. It got sunny out. I was like, all right, man, I like geese- life coming back into the world after two years of COVID. And now we got friggin' war and at least we have baseball be... and I can put up with almost anything as long as there's baseball to watch. Yeah, that's just it, right? I sent a message to my baseball husband and I'm like, time to renew the MLB TV. And he's like, oh yeah? I'm like, it's coming back. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you know what? The other funny thing was, it, it was just this week is when people at work started being like, what is going on? This isn't going to happen. And I was like, this is when I reached my nader and I was just like, I don't know, man. It might not be till May. I, I mean, it's a disaster right now. So as soon as I said all that, yeah, the, the whole uh, situation slipped, you know, it's like, uh, it's like investing, you know, you got to buy into fear when things look the worst, no. that's when you buy. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, there you go. That's why I'm a very, very non-wealthy man. <laughs> <laughs> Although the investing. principle, the principle is sound, but I have not put it in practice all that successfully. Investing yet. tips from Brando. Yeah, there you go. All righty. We will uh, we'll get back at you guys before too long. We're going to kind of sit here and just hold real still and see what happens for, for a day or two and uh, watch all these other teams just, you know, chew each other to pieces over these free agents, hopefully. And that'll be fun. And then, uh, yeah, like come Monday, I would think we should start seeing actual major league players in camp, which will be cool. I want to see Javier Baez in a frigging Tigers uniform like three months ago. <laughs> so let's go. I know. Yeah. Gonna be right. fun. We're gonna have a fun year. Um, right. It's gonna be good. I don't know if the Tigers are gonna make the playoffs, but they're damn sure gonna give it a good real life. They have a better chance of it this year than they ever have with twelve teams. Right. So that's right, yeah, that's right. Two extra spots for us. We can do it. Yeah. So thanks for uh, joining us, folks. Um, thanks for sticking with us all off season. Um, sing your your praises to Patrick O'Kennedy for getting us all through this with the business coverage. And uh, we'll continue to cover the farm system. We've still got some prospect reports coming there, but yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna start turning rapidly toward Major League Baseball player acquisition, spring training stories, best shape of their life. Has anyone seen Miggy yet? Uh, baseball, all- <laughs> baseball. Thank God. So all that will be coming your way and more. Ashley, uh, great to talk to you. Great to see yeah. you. Yeah, we'll check in with you tomorrow. Yes. All right. You have a good night. Goodbye. Bye.